Sing, goddess, the, the anger of when Peleus, God created son the heavens Achilles. and the earth. Tell me the about a complicated to me equal to the gods that man. On it hang a thousand bucklers. Man is Agamemnon. My husband shall be the ground where justice is delivered. Gentlemen, I'm worse. Would you not forget it? Ever can destroy. Will be to govern the peoples of the world in your empire. Hello, and welcome to another episode. We are here, and I am Timothy. But I am not we. And I am Faven. I'm Gabrielle. I'm also not we. <laughs> but I make up a part of the we. Yeah, we all do. And I am Grace Lita and Tina. <laughs> She's actually Whoa. a we. <laughs> she is a we. I am we. <laughs> Tina's sitting nicely beside me, but we are short of mic. And so I have the mic. All the power. I have all the power. I can control when she can speak and what she can say. Uh-oh. And <laughs> we have a surprise <laughs> final a guest. A new guest. Hi, I'm Natalia. I'm also a part of the Wii. Pretty cool Wii. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I'm here. I'm excited. It's a pleasure to have you, Natalia. Thank you. It is always good to have another voice. Um, and we're back to like a full crew after the little... <laughs> Fiasco last week. That was Hiatus. just me and Artish here. Love the guy, but man, two voices. It's just the Look, what are you trying to say I'm, about saying, our year together, Tim? All I'm saying recording. is that conversations come a little easier when there's like five people. Your <laughs> your part of the labor is much less. Mm, like in a thirty minute nice. episode, you're only talking for like I don't know, like five minutes six minutes but with two people it's like double that i would if love we that get... i love to talk <laughs> if we get 30 people we only have to do one minute <laughs> we just go down the line <laughs> the only problem is you don't get very far with that many people there's a nice balance there's a philosophy to all of this but we're not going to get into that now <laughs> what we are going to get into is actually an incredibly important book in the lit hum syllabus Especially in this podcast series, because we're talking about none other than the first book of the Bible, Genesis. Wow. Any thoughts on what Genesis is, why we read it, what people like about it, what is it, what is it about, what even is Genesis, what does it mean? Anyone? Those are a lot of questions that you I just second that. Those yeah, definitely I are, yes. I wanted to give people options. We could probably talk the whole 30 minutes about it. Okay, well, just a few minutes. Okay. Um, well, I guess we can start with, like, why it's still read today. Obviously, there's from a religious component. We're obviously Christians, and so we read it as a key text shared with the Judeo tradition as well, the Judeo-Christian tradition. Um, but then that also has, like, influenced a lot of uh, cultural cultural things i think like we talked about in the first time like the first recording for this season um and so the short overview oh my goodness tina's not here to give a summary oh that's so sad well she is here she just is being censored yeah she's <laughs> by me too <laughs> <laughs> whoops sorry tina would you like to give a summary no yes no yes <laughs> oh, yeah. hi this is tina hello tina 
Are we giving a summary of Genesis? Yeah, or? the whole thing. The all whole 50 thing. Chapters. 50 chapters. Run through each one. No, just, that, just that. broad. What happens? Um, so Genesis, we start at the literal beginning where God creates the world, creates all the animals, all the plants, and all the humans. Well, not all the humans. He creates two humans, and the two humans then create all the humans. But Genesis is about those two humans, Adam and Eve, and um, their sons and daughters that come after them. Uh, that That is the broad summary. That's a, that's a good broad summary, actually. It's a very good yeah. broad summary. Yeah. So it kind of begins with creation, and then you get the humans, right, Adam and Eve, and it then follows a specific lineage following from Adam and Eve that ends with anyone? Jesus. Well, uh, in, just in, in Genesis, Genesis. Just in Genesis. Oh, in Genesis? Joseph, right? Joseph. Joseph, the last main character in Genesis, yes. Um, that's a good summary. And and maybe the interesting thing is that it it covers, like, basically the what it means to be man, right? Like, there's a very good intro summary to what is it, like, what does it mean to be man as you're following this narrative um, of a of a family, right, and a yeah, a genealogical like progression, but with the same like core core tenets of of what of what man is, and I would say the depravity of man. But you know, you could just call it sin or the manliness of man, however you want to put it. Yes. What What do people like about Genesis? The first line. That's my favorite part. Which is? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did God create the heavens and the earth? Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> took him seven days. Well, six days. He took a day off at the last one. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. He spoke it into he being. He spoke it into being. Think back to our Narnia. <gasps> um, connections. Connection. Uh, when uh, Aslan was singing. Yeah. Singing. Creation. So, what does this say about the formation of the world that, like, God can li- literally created the entire world by just speaking it into existence? Let there be light, and boom, there was light. I think, as opposed to like perhaps other creation stories we may have read, um, in Lit Hum, I mean, there's the iconic um, speech. In- in the symposium with Aristophanes. Ah, uh, yes, Aristophanes. We all speech. roll around like potato creatures with eight limbs, <laughs> um, where it's very much man was created out of Zeus's anger. In this case, um, God's creation of the earth is very intentional um, and very much out of love, um, I would say, from the get-go. So what do you all think? Well, in general, I, kind of keeping with your theme, Natalia, is this difference between creation stories. Um, in most other Near Eastern and, I mean, really just most other <laughs> creation myths, <Every> other myth. <laughs> it, it's um, it's really weird stuff. I mean, you have like gods fighting gods, uh, a lot of incest with the gods, begetting other gods, and it's really just, a, in my mind, a picture of chaos. It's not a picture of, of order. And the gods, I mean, they just always act like men. And that's something we talked about with the Iliad. (laughs) That's something we talked about with the Iliad is is how the gods, they act like men. They don't act like gods. And that's actually something that uh, 
I think Plato says too, um, in his Republic. So don't worry. The Greeks thought about that too. And so we don't see that in the Bible. We have first God. There's no one else. It's just God. Um, and so that's kind of the picture of what I think Genesis represents, which is the birth of monotheism, um, in the Western tradition, which becomes incredibly important. And as Grace Lita, you are saying, really influences the literature coming out of creating the Western canon for the next 2,000 years. And that goes beyond just the creation, like creation story. It goes into all of the main characters that we see and who they represent now, like what, what we reference um, especially like when it comes to covenants, I think like Genesis is a very clear story of covenantal relationship and we see it, like we watch it develop and form and that importance like carries through, I think, in tradition of this idea of like a covenant. So kind of moving on from that general summary, I kind of want to talk about a question that we haven't asked about the other works so much because we haven't encountered them in this way, but as Christians, right, when we're walking into Lit Hum, what is it like to read scripture, right? What is it like to read scripture in a secular environment? I'd say pretty daunting. I think it's the duality to it. I'm in Lithum, by the way, <laughs> so this is something that I'm actually doing a presentation on on Tuesday, um, and one of the things my professor told me um, before, because we met up, I believe, yesterday, and he had mentioned that like people have a bunch of, I would say, different perspectives on Genesis. Some people have never read the Bible before, and they're coming into, into it brand new. You know, people like myself, who are very, very familiar with Genesis, um, perhaps might, you know, like sprinkle in more of like, like the religious connotation to it, especially as Christians. Um, but yeah, a lot of, from what I gather, there's a lot to bring, there's a lot to bring, a lot of perspectives. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done talking. Well, I mean, it's obviously very different, um, because there isn't the baseline assumption of scriptural authority. Mm-hmm. that I think is very different when you're looking at it as a literary work versus looking at it as um, the word of God. And so I think it shifts your, because I, I think there's, well, there's two questions here. There's one, like how we feel or how it, like, what does it feel like as a Christian to go into it or go into studying scripture um, from like a literary perspective? And there's also the question of like, do we should we what does that look like right it's it's, um, it's a yeah. question of how mm-hmm. yeah exactly and whether because i think whether or not you take genesis as authoritative whatever that like i mean i think yeah whatever that means in this context but if you take the scripture to be authoritative as in god breathed or god inspired and the written word of god um, I think it changes the way that you approach. And the example that I'm thinking of is like the gen, like back to Genesis, but the Genesis story in terms of um, like the two different, or there's the argument for there being two different creation accounts, right? In right. chapter one and chapter two of Genesis. And that interpretation is very strongly held from a literary standpoint, but not as strongly held from a religious standpoint. 
Um, and so that's like one example, but I think you see that throughout of what does it look like? What does it look like as a Christian to recognize the literary work and recognize, um, the strength or creative choices that the author had or authors had, um, without letting go of the belief that it has authority. I think walking into the class, one big fear that I had was that somehow, uh, I don't know, somehow through reading scripture in the class, it would almost, I mean, I, I would feel as though people were attacking it or not understanding it or something. But interestingly, I had to, I had to read the Bible parts from the Bible in almost every class that I've taken at Columbia, not just Lit Hum. I had to take a history of literary, I mean, I had to take a, um, a uh, humor in Jewish literature course, and we had to read from the Bible and interpret it from the viewpoint of where are the funny parts. And we also had to read it in Lit Hum from the standpoint of, oh, how can we dissect this as a literary work? And weirdly, in every single circumstance, I had to look at the Bible through a different lens. And yet, that didn't alienate me from the work. I still felt like a very personal connection with the God that had breathed into the work or, you know, the the characters that are very universal. Um, and I think that that just speaks to the power of Genesis is that you can look at it trying to find different things, but each time you're going to have a very personal, still very powerful connection to it. Yeah, I'm really interested, though, in this question of conflict. Like, reading Genesis as Christians, uh, like Grace Alito was saying, we give it scriptural authority, right? It means something true. Um, and that truth, there's a little debate on what that is, but not to the extent that we encounter in the classroom. And how do the, we then approach the text when the way the class is approaching it is directly contradictory to the way that we naturally approach it from our Christian identity. I don't know if they're exactly opposed, at least when I was in Lit Hum, um, actually a lot of, I, I, if I'm being completely honest, uh, what I had to read from the Bible, not just in Lit Hum, but also in CC, Con Contemporary Civilizations, which is another required course, actually built up my faith in the text. Because even if you're looking at it from a purely literary perspective, you're looking at it and analyzing it as though it were, you know, on the same level of truth as, say, a Homeric epic, right? Um, you're still gaining in reading the work and trying to understand it. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought that it actually helped me to understand the Bible a little bit better because I was paying so much closer attention to it. Yeah, I think you can do that. But I think, so in Litham especially, right, you're not just reading the class on your, reading the book on your own. Your whole class is reading it. And then you sit there and you dissect it as a group in discussion. And what I find is our peers mm -hmm. and our professors, I mean, it's going to vary from, your, from class to class, but a large portion of them do not give a sort of charitable reading to the text, right? It's almost like they're looking to find something 
that they can just interpret in a way that's contradictory. I don't know if I should tell this story because I have a <laughs> I have a really funny story from Lithum when we didn't we didn't it wasn't when we read Genesis it's when we read I think it was Luke um and we had to read some parables and the teacher said okay or the professor said okay I'm going to put you into breakout rooms and I want you to pick a parable and talk about it amongst yourselves and then we re when we reconvene the different groups will present on their different parables and everyone chose classics you know everyone chose like the you know i don't know the prodigal son this prodigal son the sowers you know with, i mean all the all the very classic i was put in a group with probably the most the people who had no clue they had no clue what the bible was they didn't know anything they hadn't read anything from it and my peers decided that we should uh, focus on something on a, on a parable called the persistent widow the persistent widow and they thought that it was the funniest thing they'd ever read because in it god i mean jesus kind of puts this uh, puts the analogy as though god were a judge that hates humanity which we all know is not what god is um, but they kind of tried to construe it as though that's what the parable was trying to say but weirdly I don't think that that, if anything, it made me feel closer to God in a weird way. I know that it, I don't know if I can explain through reason or logic. I, I don't know. <laughs> but there was something that I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, I don't know, it was almost the, the, the funniness of the situation made me feel such a personal connection to this passage i don't know why so now every once in a while i'll read the persistent widow and i'm like oh this is so good <laughs> so i really Praise think <laughs> i really think at the end of the day you know if, if anything it i know it, almost being put in a in an absurd situation wherein people are talking about something in a way that you disagree with right or in a way that you want to believe or somewhat on a deep level know is wrong or not wrong but i mean d definitely different from like not know. majority viewpoint or not historical viewpoint i should say uh, sure i mean no <laughs> but i mean there's i don't know there's definitely something kind of uh, i don't know per very how do i explain it human about going into a situation uh in which you you're about to read something that you take to be deeply true and other people want to con uh, construe as false. There's something absurd about it that we actually see many times in the Bible, right? So, I, if anything, it just makes me, it fills me with a warmth. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if I'm saying well, anything the word that... The of God is being... <laughs> I mean, I don't know if anything that I'm saying is making any sense, but if anything, it makes me look at my peers and go like, oh, you know, I, I wish I could explain to you how true I think this is. But the fact that you're laughing at it makes me just want to laugh. <laughs> I don't know. I actually have a similar story to that. So I took a Christianity course at Columbia. It's not lit on, but the professor said, you know, we're not reading this in a liturgical sense, like we're liter like it's purely literary because not everyone in the class is Christian. Um, but there was this guy, he was just anti-Paul, the apostle, like, he had something against Paul, he was probably progressive Christian, I don't know, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but, yeah, and it was just, 
And I think coming into spaces like that as a Christian, it's so easy. The tendency to really just defend the faith and like, you know, get just, riled up. Yeah, it's, it's so it's so easy, at least for me. And so it really is important to invite God into that space in which his word is being studied and disputed and um, to really just have wisdom and discernment in how you should respond. But when that guy was just talking about Paul, like, like, you know, how can we believe this guy? He probably, you know, influenced the other apostles because, you know, his work was written before John's and Luke's. And like, he was just, you know, he had a whole a host of reasons for why he was against Paul. But I remember just being like my love for Paul just growing like in that class. I'm like, this man, he's so powerful. He makes everyone so angry, like, you know? And um, he just weeps out all over the fake Christians. Um, but, and I, I remember one time this, so my professor, he was teaching, and this is before I really had discernment in what to say, but I went up to a professor after class because I didn't, like the way he was teaching this one subject and it was actually because i was ignorant it's not really him but now i know but i was just talking to him and debating him and then he knew what i was trying to get at so he came and whispered to me saying listen i'm a christian too <laughs> and it was like wow and then he and i just spent a lot of times in office hours just you know talking about the early church and it was so great um but i think it really is like the grace of god um like just being in that space where literally like you know the the purest most valuable thing we have on this earth is really like being dissected by non-christians and it's tough um and i think that the fact that we're able to even grow in love with god in in, in that space where you know that is happening it really is just the grace of god and um also just emphasizing the importance of bringing the holy spirit with you in that class to help you you know discern what to say and what to not say yeah it almost sounds like what both of you are emphasizing is the fact that scripture has like can speak for itself or can defend itself i think maybe even better than than we can yes i very much agree i very much agree okay let's bring things great great discussion great discussion um on Genesis? Yeah, homework? but maybe maybe like, what, oh, what about Genesis? You know, uh, what happened to that book? This is more or less a chaos. <laughs> this has more or less been a discussion about our interactions about Genesis right, with others. Right, So, I mean, I think there are a couple stories in Genesis in particular that, that people like to react against. And Grace Alita, you brought up the idea of two creation stories, um, and that's just between the first three chapters of Genesis. Um, first two chapters even, right? No, th the third gets a little bit in there, right? I'm trying to think. It's first three, yeah, first three. So there's others too. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in Genesis. A lot. Yeah. Tower that, of Babel. Yes, the Tower of Babel. Um, and... These are not like side stories in the Christian worldview. These are like some of the most major stories, like the flood, right? And Noah's Ark. Like, who doesn't know that story? It's just, that's Can like day one. my memory. <laughs> that's like day one of like Sunday, like Sunday half school. Half the Veggie you know? Tale episodes <laughs> come from Genesis. <laughs> yeah, you know, 
and then like you get you get um the whole uh israelite captivity in egypt is how the story kind of ends looking forward to um but before that then you have joseph and you have the whole story with abraham and then you get his sons and it's like whoa there's just so much in genesis totally totally yeah can i this might be a side comment but i think one no this is about genesis i think one interesting thing when thinking about genesis um because there is so much going on is discerning what is something that's like commanded by god or condoned by god um no not even condoned just something that's like commanded or permissible by god versus something that's like condoned or mm, not even tolerated 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 thank you that is the perfect word um and i think that's something that i'm like that's because there's such a complex story that's unfolding in Genesis, I think something that takes work or like takes effort to, and I think takes um, coming in with a like a charitable perspective, not even charitable, but coming in like with an open mind towards allowing Genesis to talk to you um, for it to, for it to happen. Yeah, I think maybe one of the difficult, Oh, <laughs> maybe one of the I'm sorry, one of the difficulties maybe kind of bridging together the past question and this question that we're focusing on now is uh, w- what you just said about letting it speak to you. A lot of people try to put so much logic and so much rationality into reading Genesis, thinking, you know, oh, uh, you know, what exactly is God, right? And how do we then, you know, what are the key characteristics of God and is it how do we see it in each um you know in each circumstance and i think that that's very important to reading genesis but as grace alita said um you have to be open to letting it speak to you if you try to imbue it with so much because i don't think i think a whole part of genesis right is that humanity has this almost inability to fully understand god yeah. um but it's in trying and in believing that the scripture can help you get closer to God rather than allowing yourself to feel alienated from it because there are points in which things don't seem to fully make sense at first. It's in coming to it with an open mind that one can really take from Genesis or and give in the, in the process because if you take from Genesis, you also give to Genesis in a way. But yeah. Yeah, on that, I think, I think one thing too is just to remember that at the end of the day, Genesis, it's not a treatise. It's a story, right? It's a narrative. And that's part of the beauty of it is you do watch this um, this creation turn corrupted. And then you get this kind of story that has very seemingly very little to do with that beginning where you see this family emerge and you follow the lineage and it gets flipped around a couple of times, right? Where the younger son supersedes the former son. And you all of a sudden you're following the, what, what in the Near Eastern tradition would be considered like the lower line of the heritage, right? But somehow it gets this blessing from God. And at the end, you're like, what, what's going on? Like, what did I just read, right? And I think that's important because Genesis is not a whole, it's not the whole story, Right. It's just the very, very beginning. And you're seeing 
this people develop, right? The sons of, of Abraham, the sons of, of Israel, right? And that's the last story you get is with the sons of Israel. Um, but you have no idea why you've read about these guys at all. Um, and it isn't until you like hit the very end of the Bible, right? When you've read all the way cover to cover in a, the Christian sense, right? And even the Jews would say, look, there's something lacking here, right? There's something more to happen. But in the Christian tradition, we say that more has already happened. And we have the full story, right? Genesis to Revelation. Indeed. Amen. But I think at the same, and I kind of, I do agree, but I think at the same time, even if the whole is really very valuable, if you take it from cover to cover, even if you just read Genesis, right? Oh, yeah. Because we just, we just read Genesis in, in Lit Hum. I mean, and we read other parts of the Bible, but, you know, not all of the Bible. Um, even just within Genesis, Within that part, we do see the whole, right? Yes. Um, so, please, and I please and, say more, say more. And <laughs> so good. I mean, if someone else wants to take it from you, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, yeah. I, do you want to continue talking about this? Well, I mean, there there is this sense, right, where you know, reading these stories, that there's there's an there's a missing element, right. And it, it's not unless you know the whole story that you can understand the symbolism that is representing the story that comes most to mind. Anyone? Anyone? Isaiah fifty-three. <laughs> is that is that in is that in Genesis? I'm thinking the Old Testament. I'm still stuck on like the Jews. You know, there's more to come. And it's like obviously, like look at Isaiah. Yes, yes, Isaiah would be good. No, it's just cut that out, Tina. It's Abraham, right? Told to sacrifice Isaac. Oh, oh that's yeah. That's the obvious one. I thought you were gonna get to like the the idea of like Adams in the Bible, like the theme no, no, of no. like Adam. That I mean that and Christ being the fulfillment yeah. of there's Adam. There's just so much. Even like you know, let there be light, and you know, like speaking the world into existence, and like you see now in John, like that divine mystery of the word becoming flesh and right. the yeah. light of well, mankind. Even, I mean, even like the beginning of John to the beginning of Genesis, right? Like there's the parallel in the words. In the beginning was the word and the word yeah. was with was God. Wait, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Like reflecting the beginning yeah. of Genesis. Like that divine mystery yeah. being revealed. This is, this reminds me of like the Bible project, like slogan, I think, which is, or somewhere I think it might be, I don't know if it's slogan or what you would call it. But they say, they always say like um, that they're reading the Bible as one unified story that leads yeah. to Christ. Yeah. And I think that is a great way of putting it because we would like Genesis does lead to Christ, but you also see Christ in Genesis mm -hmm. and um, you see like what he is called, what like human nature, like the, the depravity of man you see, like like Lot's daughter, like that's a horrible story. Like there are horrible things that happen in Genesis um, because of sin. And that point, like in reading that, it points to what is needed and what is needed is Christ. But you also get a picture of, I, I'm glad you brought up Lot's wife because, or Lot's daughter and his wife but both of know. like both of those are connected to this other theme that weighs heavily judgment mm, that's and you true. get the destruction of sodom and gomorrah right mm. 
and that I think well even from the flood like from the flood from like um the expulsion from Eden yeah I mean from from that very from the Tower of Babel <laughs> fr- right from the, from the, the very the beginning <laughs> from the going. very beginning maybe right. even throwing Cain and Abel in there too yeah like, everywhere you you do get this picture of what is deserved judgment mm-hmm. and um and that provides then the basis for the solution, which I think is is best exemplified in, as I said, Abraham um, told to sacrifice Isaac. And then what does God do? He provides the ram. He provides Jesus. Yeah. I also think that like, what? I think in addition to like all the great points I've already said, like I'm doing this presentation on Monday about the first three chapters. Um, which I think are the most profound books or the most profound chapters in the entire Bible. Really? I think so. I think so. We can debate that later. <laughs> but um, I think, like, just from, like, the gecko, like, the first three chapters, we see that there's, like, this very personal re- relationship between God and his creation. Uh, like, from the beginning, like, God is walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. Um, and then, you know, when Adam and Eve are deceived and they eat the fruit, that suddenly is ripped away um, and they're expelled from Eden and then you see like this constant like man's constant um struggle or fight to like res- like i guess like in a way like restore what had what was lost or what they were expelled from like not even just in genesis but just like th- throughout the rest of the old testament as well like certainly like kings judges all those great really really violent books <laughs> so yes it's it's getting lost and then finding your way home right exactly which is so i mean that's that's it's like Odyssey. yeah it's every it's every book that <laughs> we read in, in lit home i think yes the only difference being that in the bible there is no getting home it's home getting you amen <laughs> amen amen brother that's so good <laughs> home getting you it's all just such a Calvinist. No, that's that's true. That is actually true. I, I do I do I do concede. That should just be the ending right here. No, that's uh, that's a good place actually. Um, any final thoughts? If not, then I I messed up last week on the social media. I like had a brain freeze for a minute, and I couldn't remember what our social media shame. handles are for. Shame. I did shame, get it. I did shame. get it eventually. Okay. How long did it take you? Natalia. Just like a couple seconds. Are you, do you know our socials? Socials? Yeah. Like the good fight socials? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes, I do. Would you like to do our outro? Tell people where they can find us. On, start with email. Oh, wait. I don't know if I know this, actually. Oh. You can just cut this out. (laughs) (laughs) It's witnessthegoodfight at gmail.com. And where can they find us? On Instagram and Facebook. At the good fight pod pod the good fight pod guys yeah please send us a message and to our lovely subscriber valentina who tim and i met in person this week thank you it was a pleasure meeting you it was a privilege wow and we'll see you next week see you next week adios that's great